Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn over to Luke chapter 19. We are going to pick up where we left off um, in our study. Again, if you're, you're visiting here, we've been going through the book of Luke. We've been looking at uh, the answer to the question that Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And we know Peter answered that they believed that he was the, the Christ, the son of the living God. And for Christians, that's who he is to us. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. There's no other answer for that. But many people don't know who Jesus is to them. And so it's been a journey uh, with Jesus, for those of us who know him, but it's also, it's, we've seen God do something awesome through this study, and people have had a journey to Jesus. People have been saved, people have been baptized throughout this time as well. So, uh, excited about this, and we're going to continue on this, but last week, just to remind you, we had point number two of a, a, a message that was split up. The point was this, Christ's warnings echo today that we should take him at his word. The warnings that Jesus Christ uttered 2,000 years ago should echo still today uh, that we need to take him at his word. And one of the things that I shared was this. In our lives, there's, we, we can have this mindset, we can have this heart set, we can live with this idea maybe that we want God to, to give us his best. Every day, I talked about this, we talked about the, this perfect day. Every day, we get up in the morning and what do we want? We don't want our bones and our muscles to ache and we don't want to feel the pains we don't want to feel the congestion or, or sick we we want to get up and we want to feel rested we want to feel energized we want to feel strong and 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 feel all just perfect physically not only that we want to wake up and we want to have all of our relationships good we want to be excited about going to work because there's no conflicts or problems or struggles we want to be able to pull open our bank account and look on our bank account and there'd be plenty of money in there Look at our, our budget and know that all of our bills are paid for, food's in the refrigerator, everything perfect. That's what we want. That's how we want to live our lives. From day to day, we want everything physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, we want everything to be perfect. That's, and you say, well, I don't, I don't expect that. But we, it, if we're honest, that's what the majority of us desire. We want those perfect days every day. And we even ask God for that. God, bless me. God, give me this. God, help me with this. God, do this. And I think it's good to, to rely and trust and ask God for those things. But we expect these perfect days from God, yet we always aren't willing to give God much of our lives, much of ourselves on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, we're even sometimes not even giving him anything, not giving him any time in prayer, any time in his word, no time in service and sharing the gospel, no, no time. We, we, we want everything from God, all the good blessings from God, yet we feel that we have some type of right to negotiate what we can give back to God. He gives us the health, he gives us the resources, he gives us the, the blessings, all these come down, and yet we, we feel like, oh, I don't really feel like doing this today, I don't really feel like doing that, or I ran out of time, I was so busy, I, I didn't have time to do this. And so hopefully we were challenged with that, but we also talked about that history served as one of the greatest warning signs for us. We can look back at history and see that mankind has ignored warning signs over and over and over again. We talked about the, the most devastating, the most deadly avalanche in history, and we talked about how two men got off their expedition to warn the valley below 
that this, amp, this, uh, this glacier was about to fall and it was going to be an avalanche. And they disregarded the warnings of the, those two men. They, they didn't have any credit. They didn't have any thoughts, so they dismissed them. Matter of fact, uh, they, they so persecuted those two men that the men felt like the only way to get out of this problem is to recant what we said. They recanted what they said, and it was a short time later that the avalanche actually happened, and 25,000 people were buried under a wall of ice and snow. We also talked about the shuttle, the Challenger, how one uh, engineer was trying to warn the whole NASA program, everybody, he was trying to say everything he could, that the O-rings that were on those rocket boosters would, were, were faulty, that if they got too cold too quick, that they would become brittle and they wouldn't seal off what needed to be sealed off. Well, it was a cold morning, the morning that the Challenger took off. They had disregarded the man's warning. The man knew exactly what was going to happen. He was so convinced of what was going to happen that he couldn't watch the shuttle Challenger take off. And sure enough, right after it took off, we know what the history says, that, that the whole crew was destroyed in, in the, the destruction of the, the Challenger. Again, over and over and over, we see this throughout history, that man has warned man of dangers to come. And that's what we saw, is that Jesus Christ in his word said, this is what's coming, there's wrath coming, there's judgment coming. The only way to avoid the wrath, the only way to avoid the judgment is to be in Jesus Christ, is to have our faith in him and to have our confidence, our trust, everything, reliance in him. And so I, I want to encourage us again this morning to let's make sure that we take heed to the warnings that we have in Scripture, that we don't in foolishness disregard the tried and true Word of God that has never been proven wrong, that has never missed a mark. Let's make sure we take heed to it uh, and so that we can do what we need to do as we see what comes ahead. I want to pray this morning and get into this morning's message and uh, see what God has for us. So let's pray. Father, thank you again for this time. Thank you for allowing us uh, to be here to worship you. Thank you for the many blessings we have, the freedoms that we have, when I have fear of persecution in this place, in this nation, um, Lord, we're so grateful for that. We're so grateful that we can sing songs at the top of our lungs and, and, and even amplify music and without fear. Lord, we know that we have brothers and sisters around this world that are, are having to do these things in quiet, in darkness, hiding um, for, for their lives so that they can gather together, so they can be uh, a local assembly. They can worship your name. They can learn and encourage each other in, in your word. And so, Lord, we're, we're grateful that we have all these blessings. And I pray that we wouldn't take them for granted. I pray that we would engage right now in this moment your word, that your spirit will have full reign in our lives, uh, that we would heed to your word. And that from this time, as we move uh, from this time out of this place, uh, we would take it with us and we would apply it in our lives and even share it with others. And, Lord, we do beg you, if there's someone here this morning that if they were to die, they're not positive. Heaven's going to be their eternal home. If someone's like that here today, God, I pray they would realize how much you love them, that you gave your only son to die on, on a cross for their sins. Lord, that they wouldn't leave this place without surrendering their life to you, asking you to forgive them of their sins and, and placing all of their confidence for eternal life in your hands. Lord, that we would see people saved today. Lord, is, is our desire. We also want to be encouraged and strengthened as your church. And so, Lord, we ask that you would just use me as a vessel to speak what needs to be spoken and that you would be glorified in all of this. God, just have your way now. And we pray and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 19, if you have your Bible there, verse 45 is where we pick up. 
And he went into the temple and began to cast them out that sold therein and them that bought, saying unto them, It's written, My house is the house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. Uh, I think there's um, maybe, maybe ladies too, but a lot of guys in here, we get this, uh, we know this story, we know, knows what, we know what happens, we're going to read the other um, the gospel writer's version of this, if you will. And we think, man, that would be awesome to see. You know, because guys, we, we, we want to see, uh, sometimes we want to see the aggression. That's why, you know, and, and again, ladies sometimes too, we, we like to watch the football. We like to watch those things where, you know, yeah, it's just there's something in our, our, our manly nature. We see, you know, somebody like, for instance, the, you know, um, what happens when we see a play today and, and somebody, you know, a safety just nails, some of you don't know what a safety is, but it's a football position, uh, some, a, a nails a wide receiver coming across the middle of the field and just lays them out flat. And what happens now in today's football? Whoop, there goes the flag, right? And what do most of us guys do now when that happens? Oh, come on. You know, and I, we get the logic behind it, trying to keep them safe, but there's something in us that is like, the, the aggression, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so when we think about what Jesus does here, he comes in, he sees these people that are exchanging money inside the temple and, and taking advantage of people and, and making uh, the house of God a, a place of merchandise versus the house of prayer, which God had desired and designed for it to be. And he goes in, he begins to, to, to turn all this stuff over and cast them out of the temple. And so it, 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 it gives us a good example, and we'll get into further of this, but point number one in your notes is this that our affection for the house of God should be with unbridled zeal. Our affection for the house of God should be with unbridled zeal. Now, here's a few things that are important to understand about our, our affections. Our affection comes, or with affection comes regard. With affection comes regard. In other words, when, when we have affection for something, we respect it. We, we care for it. We, uh, we have regard for it. Um, and, and that's, that's the way it is, right? That's why people who get brand new vehicles uh, and spend money on it, and we say, man, I love my truck, I love my car, what do we do to it? We, we clean it, we, we, we take care of it because we respect it, we, we have this affection for this thing. Um, again, same thing with relationships. When you, we have affection for something, you, you respect it. And so with affection comes regard, but with affection also comes loyalty. When you love something, you, you are loyal to it. And that's so important because, again, that's what we see even in our family units. That's what the way it's supposed to be. We have affection. We have love. Uh, we are loyal to that. So with affection comes loyalty. Same thing we talk about sports, uh, sports teams. That's what happens. Regardless of what they do, we remain loyal. With affection comes defense. And that is uh, the right kind of defense because the Bible talks that we are supposed to um, defend the faith. But it's not with violence. It's not with railing. It's not with arguments. It's not with anything like that. Uh, but with affection comes defense. With affection also comes devotion, similar to loyalty, uh, but devotion is closer to commitment. With affection comes commitment or devotion. Christ's actions here were unique to the majority of his ministry. When we look at Jesus Christ, even when Judas betrays him, we don't see Jesus turning anything over or throwing anything or, or, or anything like that. When, when Judas, uh, one of his disciples, betrays him, we don't see that. But here in this moment, where these people have made the house of God something that it's not, Jesus' actions stand out from the rest of his ministry. 
Even when men were spitting in his face and pulling on his beard and mocking him and doing those things, he didn't act like that. He didn't retaliate. The Bible says in Peter that when he was reviled, he reviled not again. So we don't see any other actions in Jesus' ministry that are like this action when he walks into the temple and sees them treating the house of God the way that it shouldn't be treated. Again, as I said, we're looking at these other gospel writers' accounts. In Matthew, we see a little, I think, a little bit better illustration even in John, Matthew chapter 21. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple. Listen, here it is. And overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, it's written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And if you turn over to John 2, it says this. And Jesus, I'm sorry, and the Jews, Passover was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheaves and doves uh, and, and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and, and poured out the money changers' money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And his disciples remember, remember that it was said, The zeal of thy house hath eaten me up. What does that mean? That means the zeal for your house will consume me. They remembered what Scripture said about, uh, about being consumed with this affection for the house of God. In Psalms chapter 122, verse 1, it says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Now, let's talk about this for a second, because last week we just talked about how we individually, if we're Christians, if we're children of God, we are individually temples of the Holy Spirit. We also talked about how collectively... We are the temple of God uh, as a church. We're the temple of, uh, of the Holy Spirit. And when we consider what Old Testament's talking about, when we consider what even Jesus walked into and started throwing over, we know that this was the physical temple there on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem that he walks into. He goes in there and, and he begins to see this place that God had designed, this, this structure that God had set in place for a specific purpose, was completely manipulated and completely desecrated by mankind's design, by mankind's desires, what man wanted to do with what God had desired and what God had designed. So the temple in, 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 in these times was a symbol. It was a symbol that it was God's way and God's way alone. When we see the temple, even in the, in the wilderness, the tabernacle, which was a temporary structure, showed it, it was God's way and God's way alone that mankind could enter into a relationship with him and that could they could have their sins forgiven, that they could have a personal, intimate relationship and therefore worship with an eternal God. It was God's way. And the only way that mankind could have that is by trusting God at his word and going his way. That's what the temple, it reflected. It, it symbolized that it was God's design, God's way alone. But it was a place, a place of worship, a place of prayer, of course. But it was even more than that. It was a place of fellowship. It was a place of community, living life together. See, worship involves singing. The worship of God's people in the temple days also involves sacrifice. It involved teaching. It involved exhortation. Community involved that helping and sharing. Community also involved serving. 
and encouraging each other. So if we skip forward to 2017, we don't, we, again, I shared this last week, we could, we could, I could show you pictures from a couple years ago when I was in Jerusalem, staring at the Temple Mount, seeing the, the old walls and seeing the city right before me. And I promise you there, you can Google it right now. You can probably Google Maps it. Don't do it in church, but I'm, I'm telling you, it, it's there. There's a golden dome. There's no temple anymore. The temple doesn't stand there on Jerusalem, in Jerusalem. Again, Jesus and through Paul tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're the body. We're that building that's not made with hands, as the Bible says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, Paul was explaining to the Corinthian believers that we're laborers together with God, that we're his husbandry, and we are his building. We are the building. The people of God are the building of God. Well, let's ask this question. What would the temple look like in Jerusalem if the stones that composed it weren't actually put together to make walls, weren't fastened together, block connecting to, to block, stacked in the right way according to the design of God? If it wasn't connected that way, what would it look like? It would look like rubble. It wouldn't look like a building. It wouldn't look like the temple. If the blocks weren't put together the way that God designed them to be put together, you wouldn't have a building that looked like the temple structure was supposed to look like. You wouldn't have it at all. But please listen this morning. Neither do we look like the temple when we aren't together the way that God designed it. When we aren't connected the way that God designed us. And this is both physically assembling like we are this morning, but also spiritually together. As Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 says, of one heart, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Did you hear what it says? For the faith of the gospel. Not striving together uh, to, to make other people want to join us. Not striving together uh, to, to be popular. Not striving together uh, for any other thing, but we are together and we are to be together with one mind and one heart, physically, spiritually, striving for the cause of the gospel. That's what it's about. That's why we are to be together. Corey Ten Boom, many of you know who she is. She was a, uh, a woman that was used in, in a great way uh, to protect many Jews during the Holocaust. And she said this, a Christian woman, she said, Be united with other Christians. A wall with loose bricks is not good. The bricks must be cemented together. It's, it's sad. I, I can't even imagine what, what the Lord sees when he looks at the church today. Fragmented, divided compartmentalized, completely, in some, in some ways, in some areas, completely off from what he designed. I, I can't imagine what it does to him. I know for me as a pastor, when I think about our church, and I shared, you know, we've got 70 people, and I, I, let me say something, I've said this many times before, I realize there are people that can't physically make it to an outreach, that physically can't do it, that, that have other things that, they, that keep them from being. I realize all of that. I also realize that people are at different stages in their, their walks. and I mean, all those things. But I, I will say this. 
when Jesus died and, and he gave us the opportunity to have eternal life. And when each of us who are Christians accepted that free gift of eternal life, we got something that we never deserved and could never deserve, a gift of grace by God Almighty. We accepted it and we said, yes, I want to go to heaven. I want my sins forgiven. I, I, want I want this. And God says, look, you don't have to do anything for it. To have that gift, his design is that we would share it with others. That's his design. That's it. Not, not to, to like, like Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, I got the golden ticket. I get to go in and it's not about anybody else but me. It's about this amazing gift that we didn't deserve, we didn't earn, that God wants us to share with others. That's his design. And we're supposed to be together in this. And so that's why I was excited that so many people were a part of trying to get the gospel out, this cause. I've shared with someone last week, yes, it's about, and I said it at the beginning, yes, it's about talking to people who are your, your, your co-workers, talking to your family members, your neighbors, yes. But the Bible says that we're to get the gospel to every creature. And so that's why we have that five-mile mission in our church, trying to get the gospel to every household within five miles. But God's design is that we would be together, again, not just like this, but together in his cause for his purpose. I love the word of God. The word of God tells us the first church got this. Right after Jesus dies, he's buried, he rises again, he walks among his disciples for 40 days, and he's instructing them and teaching them and showing them the last few things that he wants them to know and see, and he commands them, charges them, gives them the great commission, the mission of the kingdom, and he ascends to heaven, and the disciples, here they are for the first time, left without Jesus Christ, their head, the head of the church, they're left there to follow what he has commanded them to do. So what do they do? The Bible tells us they go back to Jerusalem, begin to pray, and wait for the promise of the Father, exactly how Jesus said it would happen. And then God begins to do something supernatural through the work of the Holy Spirit. As Jesus is at the right hand of the throne of God, the Holy Spirit begins to work and move inside the temple of God, the church, and do amazing things because they were doing something unique. Look what happens in Acts chapter 2, verse 47 Verse 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Look what happens. Now the church has multiplied. It didn't just add because if you read earlier in Acts chapter 1, there was 120 people that were there praying and waiting for the, the, the Holy Spirit to come down, the comforter that Jesus promised. 120 people, and all of a sudden, God begins to explode the church. They're together. They're praying. They're united. They're, they're, they're trusting in God. They're allowing the Holy Spirit to work, but they're together. They're on the same page for the same cause, striving together. The Bible says that people were saved and baptized, and God adds to the church 3,000 people. But then after this multiplication and this explosion in the first church, look what they do. They don't say, man, we've got a mega church now. We, we, are, we are on the right page. No, look what happens. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Look, they started to realize this is how it's going to work. This is how God's going to work now. This is the only way we're going to see God work is if we continue steadfast in prayer and doctrine and fellowship. If we stay connected and together, 
going the same direction. It's the only way that God is going to do this. He was here walking among us. We saw him heal the sick. We saw him raise the dead. We saw him walk on water. We saw him give the blind their sight. We saw all these things happen. And now he's working like this. The only way for him to continue to do that is for us to continue in the right path. And that's exactly what they did. And fear came upon every soul. Many, many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. He was doing the same work through them as they continued together. And it says it again in verse 44. And all that believed were together. And they had all things common. They, sold, they even sold their possessions and goods and parted to all men as every man had need. Look in verse 46. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Now wait, wait a second. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. They were the temple, right? That's what we just talked about. The people, the church, the believers were the temple. We already, we already saw that. And we talked again in last week, just mentioned it a while ago. The Bible tells us in Corinthians that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that the church is that temple, that individuals, we are the, the temple of God. So these first believers were the temple at that point in time. It had gone from God's system of trusting him, the temple way, the sacrifice, and all those things that Jesus comes and is the sacrifice once and for all, for all men's sins. The, 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 the temple program pointed to Jesus Christ. It was all about the relationship with God through faith. He comes and it's culminated in Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection. And so now it, it comes full circle. It's always been about this relationship with God. It's always been about that. And so these first believers realize it's about us having a relationship with God together as the people of God. It's, it's about us walking with Him, walking in fellowship and obedient with Him together. They were the temple, just like we are the temple. But notice where they were daily in the temple. They were together. Not just body and, 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 and heart. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, 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 want, I want souls to be saved. Oh, yeah, I'm with you. I, you know, I, I love my church. I, the, they, they still met daily in the temple. They were gathered together. The importance of being together physically was still, or was there at the very first church. But look what else they were doing. Breaking bread from house to house. They were fellowshipping. They were living life together. They eat, eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should, should be saved. I want you to get this. God blessed that unity because it was his design. Just as he told them to design the temple in a certain way, to build it with the, with the, with the post, the pillars at the front. With, with, the, with, with the curtain, with the altar, with, with the smoke, with everything. They, with the altar outside, they had specific instructions on how to build the temple because it was God's way. God gave us in his word as the church, the, the temple of God. He gave us a very specific way that we are to live together. And when we do that, just as the first church experienced, God blesses it. Because it's his design, as I shared last week too. It's just like in marriage. Whenever the marriage is, 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 is being um, led and, 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 and the relationship is as God designs it, then it is just blessed. Sometimes you can't explain it, but it's just blessed because it's God's design. 
Acts chapter 4, we move a little bit further in the history of that first church, and it says this, after a little bit of persecution had come, look what happens. They prayed, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were, look at this, assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. They had boldness to speak what God had said, what they were supposed to be doing. They were together. They were assembled together. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They were speaking God's word with boldness. Look what happens in verse 32. And the multitude, not just a few people, the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Look, sometimes it's hard to, in today's church, um, you know, set up or, or, or whatever, uh, for even 100 people that constitute a local body to be on the same page, Right? Sometimes people are like, I don't want this. Uh, it's hard for us today to all get together on the same page. And you've got to ask why. Why is it that even a church of 300, why every single person would be on, wouldn't be on the same exact page? Why is it? These, this first church had a multitude. We already saw that 3,000 were added. And daily, God continued to add to the church. And it tells us in God's word that the multitude of them that believed were still of one heart and one soul. They were together, all on the same page. And I think that's part of the key, that they were together. They didn't have their own opinions on what should happen. They didn't have their own thoughts on what was important to do for the church or not important to do. They didn't have their own uh, list of priorities as far as, well, we'll go to church if we don't have this or we'll be a part of this if this is that. They didn't do that. It was about doing life together for the kingdom of God. And if you don't believe, look what happens next. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common. They were living life together for the purpose of the kingdom of God. That's the way it was. And today, again, even in local assemblies like ours, we can become so fragmented. We can become so compartmentalized. Well, this is what we do as a family. This is what, this is our, this is us. Hey, I'm all absolute for privacy in your own home. Yes, yes. But man, every single family, every single individual that's a child of God, we should all be 100% committed together with the same heart, the same mind, the same soul. And, and, and our, our affection for each other should be very evident in the fact that we love assembling, being together. This first church, they, they were like, hey, so-and-so's got a need, let's help them out. Hey, so-and-so's got a need, let's help them out. Hey, these, these people need, need our help, let's help them out. It was because they were together. And what do we have today? Man, we have all kinds of resources. We can put it out on Facebook. We can put it on the prayer chain. We can, we can, we can all those things. These people didn't have any of that. They were together. They loved each other. And they, were, they, were, they were on the same page doing the same things. But Jesus in our text saw that men had disregarded, had disrespected, had even defiled that temple, that physical temple. And I believe today Much is the same with the temple of God, the people, the church. Many people, through the pollution of false teaching, have thought that, well, we, I am the church. Well, we'll just be the church. 
And so this takes away from the importance of faithfully gathering with the church because the teaching is you are the church. And this poison has permeated the lives of many professing Christians. It's about an individual personal relationship that we must all choose, absolutely. And when we do choose that relationship by we choose to trust Jesus Christ, we enter into this intimate walk that we have with God, and, and it's personal and it's unique. I, I, my relationship with God is unique and personal from, from yours, absolutely. But it also means that we enter into his family. We enter into his body. We enter into his kingdom, the temple, which means that we've now entered into his program, not our program, not the world's or what some other group tells us that it should be. We enter into the, the, the program, the kingdom of God Almighty. Not to fulfill our agenda, but to accomplish his plan, God's way, as his building, as his people, together. And again, the problem is, is you have so many people saying, it's not important that you do this. It's not important that you be there. It's not important that you do that. And, they, and they, they'll grab a, a, a portion of Scripture or they'll, they'll use something out of context to say and rationalize and to justify that it's okay not to, to gather as we are today or to gather at some other time or to be engaged in the kingdom work. People say all kinds of things. But just because somebody says something doesn't make it truth. Look to the Word of God, we're, what we're doing this morning, and we're seeing not only what, what, what Jesus was upset about, but we're seeing the examples of the first church. We're seeing what Scripture says. So I believe we, like the first church, must be together on the same page if we're going to see God do miraculous things, just as He did. Not only in the individual lives of the first church, but the, the first church collectively. Jesus was consumed with zeal for the house of God, for the people of God, for the way of God, for, for, for God's setup. He was consumed with zeal. I believe that we should have this overwhelming affection for the body, for the temple, for each other. I believe that every day we should be living with a concern for each other, for thinking about our brothers and sisters. And, and again, we're living this life together. And we're supposed to be serving the kingdom of God. I believe that we should have that same overwhelming affection. And it should drive us to want to meet together so that we can see each other, so that we can fellowship with each other and connect with each other. And as the children and the family of God, exalt our God together. This should be in our hearts. Because that's how God designed it. He wanted the Israelites to observe His ordinances and His commands because it was about a relationship with him and he wanted every single one of them to gather when, when it was time for them to gather. For the calls, the, 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 the prayer times. It was all about them being together to center around God. And so I believe when we're missing that passion, when we miss that affection, when it doesn't really matter that we see each other, that it doesn't affect us, that we don't get to to shake each other's hand or hug each other's neck or pray with each other or sing a song about our God or to our God together. I believe when that affection, that passion is missing, that we've got to understand that, that something has entered our minds. Something's entered our hearts. Something's entered our lives that's tried to tear down the structure, the very institution of the Savior 
that bled and died to set the institution up, the church. So the next time you think, well, I don't think it's that important that I, that I go to that church service. I don't think it's that important that I am 100% on board. When, when you start to think about that, know, remember what Jesus did as he walked in and saw mankind making the temple of God something that it wasn't supposed to be. And, and, and sure, man could have justified it, and I believe they did justify it. Hey, we're selling doves. Doves are going to be sacrificed. I mean, that's what people need to sacrifice. They're doves. And we're selling, we're just simply making it easier for them to worship God. We're simply making it easier for them to sacrifice to God. We're selling the doves right here in the temple. I mean, the oxen, they don't have to drag it from their houses and their village. They can come and get it at the temple and make it super easy. We're going to just make it super easy on people. That's all we're doing, Jesus. Jesus, you're messing up the design of God altogether. You've made it a den of thieves. You're not doing it for that. You're doing it for your pockets. You're doing what's convenient for you, what makes it comfortable for you. It's all about you. It's not about worshiping God. It's not about praying and having a communion with God. And again, I think that's what the mindset of many people who profess to be Christians today, much of the, what we call the church today, has in mind. What fits in my schedule? What, what works for my life? What's easier and comfortable and convenient for me? I wonder what, if that's what Jesus was thinking when he was being nailed to that cross. I promise you he wasn't. He was saying, nevertheless, as he said in the garden before, not my will, but yours. And our lives are supposed to be the same thing together. All of us together yielded individually and collectively to the will of God. To be that temple, to be that. As our musicians make their way, I'm not going to be able to finish this this morning. But I, I, I want us to understand that our affection for the temple of God should be alive and well. And again, I want to encourage you and challenge you this morning. If your love for the people of God is, is waning, if, if, if there's something in your life and you say, man, I, I, could, I could either be in a church service, worshiping God together with a family that God has assembled, put me in, or not. I could take it or leave it. If that's where you're at, I really want to encourage you to evaluate your heart. Something's not right. Something's not, if you're a child of God and that's where you're at, something's not right. Because when, when our heart is engaged with God and, and, and we're in love with God and our affection for God is, is overflowing in our life, guess what our affection, guess what it causes us to do? It causes us to be in love with everything God loves. It, it causes us to love his word. It causes us to love singing praises to him, talking to him. When we're truly in love with God, of course, it makes us want to love his people and love people more. And so if that's not present in our lives, if we can take it or leave it, we've got to say, okay, something's wrong. Maybe something else has come along in my life and stolen my affection for God and the things of God. Maybe there's something in this world that I've allowed to come in for, for, and has drawn me into a, 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 a closer affection with it. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a sport. Maybe it's an activity. Maybe it's just yourself. I want to do this. This is what I want. Like, I want to challenge you. Let's make sure if we're a part of the family of God, if we know we're 100% saved on our way to heaven, 
that we're not making the temple of God something that is convenient for us. That we're not making it something that we design, that we want, versus what God has already designed. And you can find it. I, I mean, I could, I'm, I'm not going to, but I could. I could point you to dozens and dozens of people and dozens and dozens of articles and probably messages and, and scriptures they used out of context to justify that it's not important. And I will, I will go word for word in verse, and this, I'm not saying this privately, I'm just, showing, I'm just telling you how that's wrong and out of context. And if you find it and you've got a question, you say, well, what about this? Please bring it. I, I, but I, here, here, that's the only way we're ever going to resolve it. God's design is that we would be together. And we see it in Scripture. It's, it's prevalent. It's, it's not up for question or debate. It's clear. We're the ones that either are going to be what God designed us to be or not. And so I want to encourage you with that. And lastly, if you're here, as I said a while ago, and you, if in this moment you can just be honest and say, I don't know that I'm going to go to heaven if I were to die. I don't know that I'm going to do that. If you're like that, I'm begging you right now from this, this pulpit, please don't leave this place without at least having a conversation with somebody about it. Let someone show you in God's word and then let, and then give you the option of deciding whether you want to believe it or whether you don't want to believe it. Whether you want to accept it or whether you want to reject it. Just, but I'm just begging you, please give us the opportunity. And we're not going to force you. We're not going to do anything weird. We're simply going to open up God's word and take you verse by verse and show you and let you decide. But I'm begging you because I, I don't want anybody in this room, I don't want anybody in this world to, to spend an eternity in the lake of fire, a place that the Bible says is reserved for Satan and his demons. And the Bible tells us there's, there's two sides. There's, there's good and there's evil. There's God's side and the enemy's side. The only way to be on God's side is through Jesus Christ. And so, again, I'm just begging you to let us show you that in Scripture. Not just take my word or something, somebody else's, but let us show you in Scripture. And then, again, you can make that decision yourself. But I'm begging you. We'll have two ministers down here. If you want to take care of it right now, you can come down at the altar call. And they'll take you in a private room, not to embarrass you, just to take you aside and show you. And you can make that decision again yourself. But I'm, I'm, I'm begging you. If you don't know where, where you're going to spend eternity, make sure you know today before you leave this place. Uh, God's Word tells you how you can do that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for your word and, and for the reminder this morning that your design is for a purpose. God, just as the, 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 the temple in the Old Testament was for a purpose, it, it was because it was your, your way. It was what you had commanded. It was your design. And it was all about a relationship with you through faith. And we realize all of that pointed to Jesus Christ. You making a way for us to have that personal walk, walk and relationship with you. And again, we realize that your design is the church, that we are that body, we are that temple, we are the building that you've designed. And we have to make a conscious choice to submit ourselves to your design. And I pray for every church member here that, that we would do that. That we wouldn't try to, like the money changers or like the, those that were selling, uh, selling animals in the temple, but we wouldn't try to make it something that it's not, Lord. That we wouldn't try to add our own interpretations or, or take something that, and make it convenient for us. But God, we would just simply yield to your design. That we'd be together. That we'd strive together for your cause. 
Lord, if there is someone here that's lost, that they wouldn't leave this place without at least being shown the gospel. Lord, just work now. We'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name.